You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Tuesday, December 14th. As always, I'm your, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, or Friars on Base, or Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer Four, you can find me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres for the very specific uh, Padres stuff on Twitter, or Lockdown Padres on YouTube. Uh, just subscribe to the channel. Would love to get to 200 subs, maybe by the end of the year. I don't know. We're at 158 right now. That'd be kind of fun. Um, thank you guys, as always, for making Lockdown Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Forms and today's episode is a goodie. Is a goodie, ladies and gentlemen. The seal is broken. All right, I, it has been a long-standing bit, basically since the end of the 2021 season, where I do not name, I do not say his actual full name of the Padres' first baseman. It is just an ongoing joke for who is easily the most despised figure in San Diego sports, with the exception of maybe maybe Dean Spanos. And if for longtime fans, maybe Marlon McCree, <laughs> shout out the Chargers. But like, for the most part, most despised figure in, in uh, San Diego sports, and that is Mr. Eric Hosmer. There it is. I said his name, Eric Hosmer. We're going to be talking. This whole episode is dedicated to him. It's going to be a little bit of slander, a little bit of hope, maybe towards the end, talking about his past, present, and future, and just why is it exactly? Because what I find so interesting about Hosmer is there's plenty of players that are busts and don't turn out great, especially when it comes to the sport of baseball. And, you know, when they sign after these big contracts and they fall all the way through the whole way through. But I think there's more to it. And I wanted to talk about it and give my opinions because there's certainly reasons that I specifically uh, find Eric Hosmer so frustrating as a player that I want more from him. Um, that has to do with a whole bunch of reasons. So we're going to talk about that, guys. Let's start with kind of the beginning. All right. Let's start with the beginning. Eric Hosmer, in a lot of ways, is... A legend in his own right. I mean, he comes up and he's one of the big prospects in baseball. A lot of people are talking about him. He's got these crazy, like, almost, like, urban myths surrounding him in high school and how he dominated and all these things, right? He was he was just a crazy freak athlete. And then he comes to the Kansas City Royals and he does win a World Series and he wins a couple gold gloves. Now, this is where the, the, the issue comes in, though, because when you look at his past, you say, look, Eric Hosmer has always been okay. He's been an okay baseball player, and even sometimes a little bit good. But the problem with Eric Hosmer, even before he was with the Padres, right, he's always been super inconsistent. And I mean that in the most basic of sense. I'm not going to go super duper advanced stats on you guys, but just in terms of kind of the basic stuff, I mean, look at his slash line each year, all right? Starting in 2011, his rookie season, 293, 334, 465. Okay. Then the year after that, 234, 304, 359. Def certainly a lost season. And by the way, it's not like he got hurt and only played 20 games. He played all the games there. Then the year after that, 302, 353, 448. Then the year after that, 270, 318, 398. And now in 2015, 297, 363, 459. Then the year after that, 266, 328, 433. 
Then the year after that, his last season with the Royals, he happens to have the best slash line basically of his career, batting 318 with a 385 on base and a 498 slugging percentage. Did manage to knock in 25 bombs as well, which isn't too bad. Um, managed to drive in 94 runs. I know RBIs don't tell the full story, but still. And then he comes to the Padres, and his first year there, immediately down. After that 318 batting average, 253 with a 322 on base, only a 398 slugging. Then the year after that, 265, 310, 425. And then in the truncated 2020, 287, 333, 517, though, highest slugging percentage of his career, which we will be talking about that 2020 season in a little bit. And then this year, of course, 269, 337, 395 for slash line. So that's one of the things with Hosmer is he's never, even when he was better, which you could, I mean, easily say about his early role uh, kind of career days with the Royals, never had two good seasons in a row. That was so frustrating. And I remember, like, fantasy baseball, he would be, like, you know, top 50 pick. Because also, remember around this time, guys, there was, like, a lack of power and whatnot. There was a lack of a lot of stuff. And the fact that he had some some stolen base upside, I remember that being a big deal among first basemen. Let's see here. Yeah, beginning of his career, had, like, 16 stolen bases one season. I know that's not, like, a crap ton, but for first baseman, it was a lot. And it's just kind of... When you, when you take all that into account and you say, okay, now let's get to the part where he joins the Padres. They then sign him to an eight-year, now infamous, eight-year, $144 million contract. You guys know this already. He has not been good through just four years with the Padres. He's been down in almost every conceivable category this year, barely finishing with a war in the positive range, right? I'm pretty sure he was actually negative or at least a zero this year. And a big part of that is just because He's not producing extra base hits. He doesn't put together quality at bats, and he doesn't play any good defense. And what I find so interesting about Eric Hosmer is that it shouldn't be this bad. It shouldn't be because in terms of like strikeout percentage, it's not like he strikes out more than like everybody in the league. It's not like he's Javi Baez with that. He actually ranks when you look at Statcast like in the top percentiles in a lot of categories. Average exit velocity, max exit velocity, hard hit percentage, his ex ex bat expected batting average, strikeout percentage, even whiff percentage. He doesn't whiff at too many pitches. But when you look at the finer details, and even if you ignore a little bit of the slash line, you realize that he's not producing all that much, especially when you consider that first basemen are supposed to be the guys that give you power, right? They're supposed to be the guys that are your Matt Olsons, your Vlad Juniors, and all that. And while... Eric Hosmer doesn't necessarily have to be that to be productive and a valuable piece of this team. He just hasn't been able to do even the minor thing. And what I find the biggest red flag is when they first signed Eric Hosmer, I compare it oftentimes to Jacoby Ellsbury. Why do I do that? Because Jacoby Ellsbury, huh, how, do I, how do I put this? It, the immediate reaction on baseball land, and the, at least in terms of the people that I was kind of paying attention to, they were already skeptical. That's not good even for year one. Yes, there are people that sign giant contracts. We saw it recently in free agency with Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager getting 10-year deals. But a lot of the expectation with that is, well, at least four of those years should be really great, right? You're going to get them at their peak value. Eric Hosmer goes from having the best season of his career to just cashing in on this huge deal that I don't know how he really got, to be perfectly honest with you, and then just falls apart. And some people say, oh, well, the leadership and that stuff, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and the defensive skills. He won all those gold gloves, but then if you look at his his numbers in terms of just outs above average, I mean, he was in the negative like every single year, even with the Royals. And I get that outs above average, you know, you are comparing first baseman, which generally is a wonky position to judge uh, first base stats. But even if you go by defensive runs saved, get this. Every, Eric Hosmer, this is a fun thing that I just looked up. Eric Hosmer has never had a single season with more defensive runs saved that was greater 
than Will Myers' best season at first base. He only played two seasons really full-time at first base. He had a plus two and a plus eight. Eric Hosmer's best ever at first base was plus seven. And other than that, it was like one, two, three. And with the Padres specifically, all negatives. All negatives for Eric Hosmer. And that's the big issue here is that Eric Hosmer really just hasn't done all that much when joining this club. But before we get into the part that really drives people more insane, what I feel is the reason that Eric Hosmer really drives people the most insane, and it has to do with not just stats, but just his kind of the, the visual, the perception of him. First, guys, let me talk to you about something that I've been using this year, especially, right, guys? Let's, let, let, let me tell you something, Padres fans. It's already been an interesting offseason. It won't be long before pitchers and catchers report. And do you know what that means? When pitchers and catchers report, it means you start getting ready for fantasy baseball, guys. And the best people in the business are Fantrax. It's the most customizable MLB fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy baseball commissioner league. Invite your friends and dominate your draft this season. It's also the top dynasty fantasy bat baseball platform in the industry and i can vouch for it we used it uh part of i just mentioned i write for just baseball we had a just baseball fantasy keeper league going on that we're probably going to reset next year and it was great they give you all the numbers they give you previous numbers they give you contract they give you all the numbers that you really need that kind of helps you out in every kind of way that you need so guys since 2008 Fanchex has invited you and I'm inviting you today to sign up for free. If you do, you'll be entered to win an official MLB signed Fernando Tatis Jr. baseball. That's right. Our guy El Nino. How about that for this ad, man? Let me tell you that. It's specific to you guys listening. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash locked on and use the promo code Tatis when you sign up to be eligible to win. Don't miss the opportunity, guys. Remember, sign up today to win an official MLB sign for Nano Tatis Jr. Baseball. Fantrax.com slash locked on. Use that promo code Tatis in all caps. Fantrax, the home of fantasy baseball. Play ball. Play ball, ladies and gentlemen. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And that's not all. I want to quickly talk to you about something that gets you all the entertainment you love without the hassle. That is DirecTV Stream, bringing you your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place. It's pretty awesome. And the best part is that there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more about it, guys. DirecTV Stream at DirecTV.com. As always, guys, thank you for making Locked On Padres your hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Returning listeners, if you didn't see my episode yesterday when I talked a little bit of some questions about the Padres opening day left field, thanks for everybody for leaving their, their comments below. I want to repeat again, 400th episode, Super Mailbag Extravaganza, coming at you live this Friday. Uh, I Actually, at the time of this episode, I did not put out the tweet yet, so I got to do that. Uh, send me all your questions. It can be about pop culture, too. It can be about anything, because I do do a lot of pop culture stuff stuff too if you guys are not familiar and also if you saw my episode yesterday I was wearing my little fryer robe today I'm in the basement again because I'm trying to find the best spot to record the show that gives you the best sound quality and picture quality and so far I think this might be really good so this might be the permanent for now and don't worry I'll bring back the fryer snuggie uh, because it makes me look like the swigged fryer but anyway guys let's continue into the next part about Eric Hosmer right and I think that the next part about Eric Hosmer is that I think he gets a little bit defended too much um, let's talk about the present, okay? And one of the things that I don't like about Eric Hosmer, aside from obviously the contract, eight years, 144, being a mess, it stinks. It makes me sad every day that I think about it. I think that it's just there hasn't been a sign of like super improvement, okay? And what I mean by that is 
you look at just heading into this year, it's li- it's the small stuff too. You know, outside zone swing percentage, he got worse by 3% this year. First pitch swing percentage got worse by 5.9% this year. First pitch strike percentage, 2.7% worse this year. The hitters were just kind of attacking him and they weren't threatened by him. You never felt like he could get at bats going for a long time, right? You never had fear. I know he had that stretch early on in the season where he had a lot of big hits, actually. And don't get me wrong, what I will say, if there's any one thing I think I will say about Eric Hosmer, has had a lot of big hits before. He's won a World Series, he's had some big moments so in a playoff series if the Padres could even get themselves there I wouldn't be like totally out on Eric Hosmer maybe just being able to hit the ball really hard which is what he does every year but the problem he is here forget the outside zone swing percentage guys it's the ground ball rate we've been talking about this for a long time this isn't new for Padres fans but might as well bring it up and bring up why it is so infuriating especially because every single year Since his rookie season, he has never had a ground ball percentage below 53% with the exception of 2020. And 2020, this is why. This is why I believe people were so frustrated this season. In 2020, he decreased his ground ball percentage for the first time below 53%, below 50% in his career to 47% and had a line drive percentage of 30%. That's a lot better. So while he didn't play all these games... He was hitting for power, and while he didn't walk the most in the world, this wasn't Matt Olson, this wasn't some of the great, you know, this isn't Walk Soto, uh, Mr. Juan Soto, but he was at least being a guy that, not the best on base, you know, a decent batting average, but he's hitting the ball into the parking lot in 35 games. If you look at, like I just said with his line drive percentage, and if you look at his um, launch angle, uh, his average launch angle, I should say, uh, this past season, it was a 3.2, and then in 2020, it was 8.7 right? It's like, what happened? Was it just a fluke? I don't know, but people are saying, and what I mean by people, I mean literally, not to call out people at the media directly, but there was a piece in the San Diego Union Tribune that I pulled up by Kevin Acey from, let's see here, February 25th, 2021, and it talks about Hosmer. It says, Padres' Eric Hosmer looks to make even more of his changes, right? And it has quotes from people like coaches and all that stuff that say, you know, it gives you space to let the ball travel. And then as you start your swing and all this stuff, they talk about and allude to the idea that he really is this sort of changed player, which is great. Last year, his ground ball rate was 46.2%. Had Hosmer had enough appearances to qualify, that would have ranked 44th highest. It's just, I just find that that piece is a good example. You know what I mean? You look at um, you know, there's, here's this one quote from Eric Hosmer from the piece. It's certainly a big deal, but I would say for me, it's not as important because I just want to be productive, said Hosmer, who last season bad 287 with an 855 OPS last season as in 2020, both highest by far in his three years with the Padres. Misses are misses. There are certain things that jump out that you recognize as adjustments that need to be made. For me personally, I'm more of a feel type guy. If I'm in the cage workout stuff and doing the adjustments and feeling my way through that, then I'm confident that the result will get better. I understand I made some pretty good adjustments. That's when it comes to that stuff. When it comes to that stuff, there's also a lot of adjustments that I can still be a lot better on. Just trying to tighten my game up every way possible. Um, it's it's just, and if you keep reading the rest of the piece, you know, uh, Skip Schumacher said, here's a quote at the very end of the piece, which is the thing that I think why a little, people get a little bit frustrated. When one of your best players is willing to change and to work and constantly has that will to get better, That wears off on a lot of other players, associate manager Skip Schumacher said. That is big. You could see Hosmer trying to make changes. It's quotes like that. And I'm not blaming AC because this is is a whole other thing. I'm not saying that. But 
when you have moments like that, when you look into context, when you have these quotes coming out that present this image with Padres brass, by the way, it's not just Kevin Acey, it's not just media, but all these people kept coming and saying like, yeah, it's, it's like he really made these changes. And it was so helpful for the team. He was coming up big with home runs. And it was like, if he could just be this home run guy, yeah, the defense isn't that great. I get it. Maybe in short in time, he had like three defensive runs saved in 2020. But granted, it was such a small sample size. It's kind of hard to judge it, um, especially for first baseman specifically. Um, for, before anyone brings up that I was really uh, excited about Tatis' season last year. Um in terms of his defense, it's it's harder for first baseman to judge, especially on a truncated uh, season. Um, it's moments like that. That's what I find out, and that's why people get so frustrated. Is all of a sudden you go from launch angle guy to hitting the ball as hard as you possibly can into the ground more than almost any season prior. It's almost like he ignored. That's what it presents. I'm not saying that this is what Eric Hosmer thinks, but it presents this idea that you made these adjustments and they're like, ah, whatever, screw it. I'm going back to what I always do, even though I was literally 10 times more productive with those adjustments. And when you have a piece like that, that details it, gives fans hope that this really is a permanent side of change, it frustrates you. It's not like Hosmer just had an off season, but the launch angle is still really good. It's like, no, the launch angle is back down, back to the same old Hosmer. And what gets people so frustrated is that contract and the fact that you can't really trade him. The fact that Ty France, who the Padres sent over to the Mariners in, or hold on, yes, to the Mariners in the uh, Austin Nola trade, he looks like a beast, led the league in fielding percentage this year. Eric Hosmer, I already mentioned those defensive run save stats. Uh, don't look up his defensive stats. Not very good. He had a lot of moments this year, you know, with the with the throw from Hassan Kim where he was like trying to follow the ball instead of just go right to first base, and then he messes it up. There were so many errors this year. There was one game against the Dodgers, I think it was against the Dodgers, that he had two just killer errors that basically one of them wasn't counted as an error, which was the Hassan Kim play, I'm pretty sure. That one wasn't like directly counted as an error, but it felt like Eric Hosmer single-handedly kind of lost that game for us. And that's what's so frustrating, right? All these things with Eric Hosmer and you see his value as a player. He's just, he's not bringing it. And the fact that the Padres are in a situation currently where if they did want to trade him, which there were a lot of reports that they were trying to, um, if they wanted to trade him, that you'd probably have to give up like a bunch of prospects. And right now, they do not have the capital to necessarily do that. You could, but then the flexibility for your roster changes a whole bunch. You know what I'm saying? If you gave up a CJ Abrams, which they aren't doing, all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, they've traded 31 players for nine players over the last few years. And I know that some of them have worked and I know that some of them haven't. Musgrove has worked out great. I think Blake Snell still has the chance to work out great. Darvish, eh. Clevenger, I mean, in fairness, in fairness, Clevenger got hurt, but you gave up some decent stuff. You know, you gave up some prospects. Kyle Quantrill would have been a really nice arm to have. And when you don't have all that prospect stuff in the background, trading your top people to get rid of Eric Hosmer seems all the more counterproductive that you kind of just have to hope that like those every other seasons thing that I was talking about before, that he has one of those every other seasons and just lucks into a 300 batting average, 340 on base or whatever the heck, maybe does better. That's all you can really hope for. And if I'm the Padres, yes, I'd love to trade Eric Hosmer, but is it worth getting rid of your last few bullets in the chamber? to potentially move her and move this team around, especially since they already have. It's not like there isn't that there's money that they can spend. I mean, there is, but you guys get what I mean. You know, you already have the contract for Tatis and Machado, and obviously you have Hosmer, and then you still have one more year of Myers, and then you have Darvish and, and Snell and some of these guys. There's a lot of money allocated to this team. Hassan Kim, Jerks, and Profar. That creates a situation where it's like, I just don't think it's worth trading him. But we're going to talk a little bit more about the future of Eric Hosmer in just one second, guys, and my overall feelings uh, with just one thing. I got to talk to you 
about a different kind of thing. All right. As you can see, I wear this little daydreamer hoodie, man. You know what I'm saying? But I got this is on the cheap end. You know, what I mean, these aren't like the greatest things in the world, guys. But I've been hearing a lot about a certain line of apparel lately, and that's Stance Apparel, especially because they just launched a new line of active apparel, and it's holiday season. It's gifting time, and Stance is the coolest gift you can give. They have incredibly comfortable stuff, and, you know, what I like about them also, look, I love comfort. That is my number one thing. But if you give me kind of a cool design, you know what I mean? Let's just say I ain't a preppy type of dude. You know what I mean? I, I was not the person wearing the, what is that, the, the thing with the whale on it? Vineyard Vines, is that what it was called? I wasn't doing that. I wasn't wearing the salmon-colored shorts and all these preppy-type clothing. I was like, whatever's comfortable and whatever kind of looks pretty decent and cool. And they've got a bunch of stuff, guys. They have this Worldview t-shirt with Butter Blend that I really like. And they have this shirt by Kevin Lyons that just says, it's a really cool little graphic for all my YouTube folk on here. You can uh, see it or whatever. It's like this little fluffy, little fluffy monster guy. And he's really cool. And it says, no fuss, no fight. You know, I might get myself that. And if you guys want to check that out, you really should. They have a lot of cool apparel. Stance, the socks, you might be, that might be where you originally have heard of them, but they've got a really cool active apparel brand. And I recommend it. And it's a really perfect gift and stuff. And they have all these different collaborations that they've been doing. Star Wars, The Office, Harry Potter, Disney, Marvel, Wu-Tang Clan, Bob Marley, Major League Baseball, which you're listening to right now, of course. The NBA, Pixar, all sorts of stuff. Hey, I'm going to be checking out their Marvel and... uh. I'm going to be checking out their Marvel and baseball stuff, especially. And maybe their Wu-Tang stuff. I haven't listened to Wu-Tang Clan in a while. I might have to do that after finishing this podcast. But anyway, guys, um, Stance believes that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in. Those that want to feel good should feel good. Do good by yourself, guys. Go see it for yourself. Register for an account at Stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Remember that is promo code Locked On at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with stance. You like how I did that? It's pretty dramatic, right? That was pretty good. Anyway, guys, welcome back. We're finishing out this podcast talking about Eric Hosmer, the all-encompassing Eric Hosmer episode, dare I say. Um, and one of the last things I want to talk about is I kind of want to reiterate some of the points from before, okay? The future for Eric Hosmer with this team is, I don't see, I want, I would not be upset if the Padres traded him, obviously. I would not be outwardly upset if they gave up a decent prospect haul for him. I'm just saying, you. I I wonder if the hope is that maybe you can get a guy, if the DH comes back next year, maybe you get Hosmer to play DH. That way you at least don't get the minus from his defense, right? And then you bring in a decent guy who can play first. That might be an idea. It might not be the worst thing in the world. I don't know how many first basemen are currently available. I know what everyone's going to say, which is Freddie Freeman. For the record, I would much rather have Freddie Freeman than Nick Castellanos because Freddie Freeman is like Hall of Fame level talent, even if it does make me a little bit nervous whether or not he'd fall apart. That is a lot of money that you'd probably have to give him. But I do want to just throw it out there. I just want to throw it out there that, you know, I talked about in yesterday's episode that there is some maneuverability with this roster. But in terms of the future of Hosmer, you just have to hope that Eric Hosmer looks at this past year and says, I need to go back to doing what I did in 2020. Because with that, I could be one of the more productive first basemen in baseball, at least at least productive enough that I won't be this giant albatross because Eric Hosmer is currently easily without a doubt, with the exception of maybe Miguel Cabrera and Steven Strasburg and guys like that, the current biggest albatross in baseball. And the reason why I think he's the biggest is because unlike Strasburg and unlike those other teams... Eric Hosmer is actively hurting a team that's window to win is set up to be now. 
You know what I'm saying? It's not like the Nationals are set up to win now. If I'm a Nationals fan, I'm like, ah, whatever. You know what I mean? If with Strasburg, it stinks. We took a loss, but also we got a World Series. Who gives a damn? Everybody go to hell. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 what I would be thinking if I'm a Nationals fan right now. But if I'm not, then I'm saying, oh man, like this Hosmer thing is keeping the team. Imagine what deals the Padres could be giving out right now. I guarantee you that they're in the market for some of those higher price options. I think they're going for, um, you know, someone like a um, like a Marcus Simeon. You know what I mean? And then they move Jake Cronenworth to first. I guarantee you that if that contract isn't on the table, then they might be able to do more maneuverability. But right now it isn't. And the bigger issue, and this was actually written by um, Ben Fadden over at Gaslamp Ball. Shout out to Gaslamp Ball for uh, being back in business and whatnot. Wrote a quick thing about why the Padres could be more determined than ever to trade Eric Hosmer's offseason. And it has to do with his old 10-5 rights which come into play at the end of 2022. And here's um, reading from Ben Fadden. 10 and 5 rights allow players who have played in the big leagues for 10 years and the last five with the same team to dictate where they end up in a possible trade. In other words, Hosmer have a, will have a no trade clause at the conclusion of 2022 as he has played a combined 11 seasons in Major League Baseball with Kansas City and San Diego. Kansas City, had, he had seven, San Diego four. The 2022 season in San Diego would give Hosmer the final requirement necessary to have the no trade clause. And basically, that's a great point to bring up. Um, you know, there, then you mentioned some teams, the Texas Rangers, Colorado Rockies could have a bad farm system and want to add a top prospect like Robert Hassel III while taking on some of Hosmer's contract. That is true. I could see the Rockies doing it because the Rockies are silly. However, I don't see the Texas Rangers necessarily doing it. They they could because it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if they're like, ah, oh, we'll take a chance on this guy who's been there before and we'll get another really good prospect and just hope that we can make it out of this. But for four more years, the problem is that the Texas Rangers have already spent a whole lot of money this offseason. They spent, you know, a combined $500 million on Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon uh, if you look at the totalities of their contracts. So I don't know if that's a team that works anymore. I've been pushing the Royals thing. For the longest time. Actually, probably too long of a time. Uh, my buddy Ryland Styles of Lockdown Royals, I had him on to push the idea of I'm coming home and trading him to the Royals. But in general, I don't think that it's something that the Padres should be. Um, not not that they shouldn't be hellbent on it, but it's just I don't think they're in a situation where they can do it anymore. I think if there's a scenario where, say, let's say uh, Seattle, Seattle Mariners, they have a guy named Jared Kalenic who was like a top 10 prospect in baseball or 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 the Rays with Wander Franca, who's amazing, right? If the Padres had like another top level prospect in their system, aside from Abrams, don't get me wrong, they have some guys that they're excited about with Campizano, Ethan Elliott even is gaining some traction, Kevin Copps and and Mackenzie Gore, who seems to just be a whole whirlwind of, of what the heck is going on, that I think that they might be willing to be like, all right, maybe we can part with one of these guys. But since all the ammo's gone, they can't really do that. And that's the unfortunate thing about all this, guys. And I think the thing that I want to summarize the most, the last thing I want to summarize, is that I do believe that the character and the clubhouse stuff absolutely matters. This should be taken into account. And you guys, I've heard from people that it's really true, that he's an amazing clubhouse guy. I do think that's important. I've heard it from people that mostly you guys have probably heard from the same sources I have, and some that you guys haven't talked to, most likely, um, that I've heard from that, that can corroborate that and say he's a great clubhouse presence. But I think that there does come a point where I don't really care what your clubhouse presence is if you're not putting enough on the field. I think it matters. I think it matters with with certain other players, that's a thing to take into account. It's this, these are human beings and people like to be around people that are easy to work with or people that inspire them and vice versa. But for you to be putting up zero war seasons 
I'm sorry, but the clubhouse factor just doesn't come into too much of an account there unless you can somehow act like Fernando Tatis Jr. is only good because of Eric Cosmer. If that was the case, then that's a whole different story. That's a whole can of worms, but that's just not the case. And I think that with that AC piece that I talked about, and that, that wasn't the only piece, there was pieces from a lot of people, where it creates a situation where there just doesn't feel like there's been a lot of rage sent his way um, from people who cover the Padres. Aside from maybe Ben and Woods, you know what I'm saying? I love those guys. I love listening to those guys. Um, like, that's, that's I think, the issue. And I'm not blaming the media. Let me be specific. It is such a tired shtick of these, these past few years to blame. Just say, the media, the media, the media, the media. you got to listen to this guy on YouTube. It's like, bro, like, YouTube or whatever you're looking from for your source, that's media. You know what I'm saying? So it's a lot more complicated than just shouting media. But I understand why people get a little bit frustrated where they're like, Nobody's really given a lot of Hosmer crap, and that's probably because it's true that he's a great dude and great clubhouse presence, and I do believe that that matters. And I think that the part of the other thing that drives people crazy is that we don't hear from him a lot. You know what I'm saying? I think that that is another piece of this. If he is allegedly this great clubhouse leader, which I believe he is, I think that's one thing that has driven Padres fans a little bit mad, that over the course of this season falling apart, you never had Hosmer get on the podium and be like, look, we got this, or look, it's been rough or whatever. Just didn't speak to people directly. And I know some people, including myself, were a little frustrated when he had that moment when uh, Jeff Sanders of the San Diego Tribune asked a little bit of a little silly question of asking about what it's like being you know, in trade rumors. And I get it. What, it, what do you think he's going to say? He's going to say it stinks. I get it, but it wasn't the worst thing I'd ever heard a reporter ask. You know, it wasn't as bad as last week, the Buffalo Bills, when a reporter asked, how does it feel? To, how embarrassing is it to lose like that? Where you're kind of telling them how to feel. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if that makes any sense, I think there's a distinction between those two. And Hosmer reacted in a way that was so like visceral and kind of like, all right, come on, do better than that, whatever. It wasn't the worst reaction. He's more than welcome and entitled to that reaction if he doesn't like the question. But to an extent, I understand some people saying like, you know, Will Myers has been in trade rumors forever. You know, like he's Will Myers has been in trade rumors since literally he got here, with the exception of like that first season. Uh, and he's never reacted in such a way. Had, did he have the moment with Andy Green while he was playing Fortnite, and it little it leaked out a little bit that he said, "I don't understand why he's got us running sprint." Yeah, I know. But in terms of like the trade discourse, he's never responded to that stuff, and I think that that's one reason people are a little bit tired of the Hosmer thing, and they just want more, right? That's the problem with San Diego Padres and Eric Hosmer's tenure. You just want more, you know? Please do not be one of the worst qualified players in baseball. Eh, maybe that's a little bit harsh. Do not be the worst player for what your contract is in all of baseball. And that's the big thing. And it's especially big because the Padres are competitive. And it's especially big because you showed us glimpses of being great in 2020. And with that piece that I keep bringing up over and over again, which I really think surmises all of this a lot, you're just sitting there and wondering, what the heck, man? Can we get something a little bit better than this? Can we not have been hoodwinked into one of the worst contracts in the modern day era of baseball in terms of just a team that's trying to be competitive and now can't because this guy can't just be at least replacement value? You know what I mean? This guy can't even be as good as Nate Lowe. He can't be as good as uh, Dave Fletcher. He can't be as good as Jared Walsh. You know, guys like that. These These players that aren't the best in the world. Jared Walsh is a little bit new, but... That's what I think people are hoping for. I'm very curious to see what happens in the offseason if they do trade Eric Hosmer. Like uh, Ben Fadden mentioned, 10-5 rights. If they do trade him, it's probably going to be now because there's no way that Eric Hosmer, or at least most likely, he's not going to want to go to another place unless it's a contender. And a contender isn't going to really want Eric Hosmer right now unless he shows that he becomes a home run god or something like that. 
so that's the really that's kind of the all-encompassing thing. Those are my thoughts on Eric Hosmer, guys. And with that said, let me just say one more thing. We are back to retiring his name from being mentioned on this year podcast, guys. That's right. Not going to say it anymore. He will be further reported and viewed as the guy at first base for the San Diego Padres. Guys, I hope you enjoyed my kind of total explainer talking about Eric Hosmer and why I think he is viewed so negatively and why he is so frustrating to watch as a player. Thank you for making, guys. As always, Locked On Padres, your hashtag first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, guys, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Just want to mention in terms of the future of this show, guys, going to be talking about Jake Cronenworth a little bit later this week. Also, 400th episode mailbag. Send me reviews on Apple Podcasts, five-star reviews. And in the review, you can put a question. Send me DMs on Twitter. I'm pointing my name right now on Twitter, at Javapeno, at LO underscore Padres. Leave comments on the YouTube. Whatever you want to do, big mailbag episode going to happen on Friday. Already have a couple questions saved up uh, from comments that were sent before, but please send me anything you want. My favorite stuff of the year, favorite moments of the year. Oh, yeah, speaking of favorite moments, we're going to be doing that. Top 10 moments of the 2021 Padres is currently in development. Not to make it sound like I'm, you know, uh, this is like a Marvel announcement, <laughs> like currently in development, this the new series for, with Samuel Jackson or whatever. But uh, just saying, it's a lot of fun, guys, for the end of this year on Lockdown Padres. And with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, at L underscore Padres, free and available on all platforms. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.